1: Hello, my name is Kate Marsh Lord, and I'm really excited to be um, speaking to you today at Pillar. Thank you so much for the invite. I'm happy to be included. Um, today, I'm going to talk about current events, what military spouses need to know. Obviously, this is a could be a wide-ranging conversation, um, but I'm going to focus on four things, and as an important note, I'm recording this on October 14th. So obviously things will likely change by the time you watch this. But touching on these four current events that military spouses should know about and should be following. So first up is conflicts around the world. I know a heavy and particularly um, emotional topic given this, the subject of pillar. So forgive me, but um, it's important for us to know about these things, right? So. The primary focus that I'm gonna speak about today is obviously Russia's war in Ukraine. But at SFI, where I work, Secure Families Initiative, we are also closely tracking a few other things happening in the world, namely North Korea aggression and their missile testing, as well as Iran nuclear deal negotiations. So all of these have the potential to become more urgent and relevant to our community. So we encourage you to keep watching the news for developments Although, like I said, I realize that can be particularly difficult during deployment. So another option is to follow us on our socials because we'll track it and share only the things that you really need to know. So back to Ukraine. The most important update as of today is simply that the war has not played out as almost anyone expected, perhaps except the Ukrainians. So the current battlefield status is complicated but controlled as Ukrainian forces push ahead with their counteroffensive, trying to take back parts of the country that were seized by Russia in the early days of the invasion. So Ukraine's relative success is due in large part to U.S. and our allies in Europe, who have been providing literally billions of dollars in security assistance from weapons to defense, anti-aircraft systems, anti-armor systems, and artillery. Um, But perhaps even more valuable is we have provided strategic training and guidance. Um, As you all likely know, we've not deployed directly into Ukraine, but we have increased our presence in the region. And um, that has certainly been felt in a positive way by the Ukrainian military. And they have shown great gratitude and thanks for our support. The Department of Defense says, um, and here's a quote about why we're so involved in why we've been helping Ukraine. Ukraine is a key strategic, a key regional strategic partner that has undertaken significant efforts to modernize its military and increase its interoperability with NATO. It remains an urgent security assistance priority to provide Ukraine the equipment it needs to defend itself against Russia's war against Ukraine. So again, that ties in with NATO and our allies. And um, so, we will continue to monitor the situation in Ukraine. Uh, can hope for an early re- you know, resolution around the corner, although it, it really doesn't seem that way right now. Um, so we just have to remain optimistic and keep watching. The second current event that military spouses need to know about is the negotiations surrounding the National Defense Authorization Act, also known as the NDAA. So every year, Congress has to authorize Funding levels and provide authority to the US military and all of the defense apparatus. Um, This money is used to ensure our troops have the training, equipment, and resources they need to carry out the mission, but it also um, goes towards funding for uh, the welfare and well being of family members and DOD personnel. So, as you can imagine, this is a huge amount of money. The 2023 fiscal year defense top line spending is. $857 billion, so the process to decide how to spend that money is pretty lengthy. The House has already passed its version of the NDAA in July. So now we're waiting on the Senate, and they plan to tackle this after the general election. So about mid-November, we expect them to start having discussions and taking up votes on the over 900 NDAA amendments that have already been proposed. So that's a ton of amendments. Not all, all of them will even see a vote. And if the Senate does vote and approve an amendment, it still has to be passed by the House. So the process will be a lot of back and forth, um, and we will be watching because there are a huge range of NDAA amendments that impact military families. Everything from spouse employment to housing to the process within which we engage in foreign conflicts. Which brings me to current event number three that we are really focused on at Secure Families Initiative. So one thing that we would like to see tackled by the NDAA is to repeal the 2002 Iraq authorization for use of military force. So this is called an AUMF. And at SAFI, we talk about AUMFs all the time, but here's what it means. It means um, it's a declaration of war is a total war. It provides the president with an entire unqualified use of the U.S. military. An AUMF is a more limited use of force authorization. So it's not a you know blank check to go to war. It's, it's more specific. Specifically, the one we're talking about here is the 2002 Iraq AUMF. So this one, as you might imagine by the name, authorized the war against Saddam Hussein's regime in Iraq. It was passed all the way back in 2002. Um, And it is still on the books. There's no sunset provision. There's nothing saying, you know, making it automatically go away. So we need an amendment in this year's NDAA to get rid of it once and for all. So this one specifically permitted the president at the time and any president moving forward, as long as it's still on the books, to use the armed forces as necessary and appropriate to defend U.S. national security against the continuing threat posed by Iraq again. It's outdated. So here are four main reasons that we are currently mobilizing and advocating the Senate leaders to repeal the 2002 Iraq AUMF and the NDAA. One is prevent future abuse. With this law on the books, any president could take steps, use this as a justification um, for military action that is unnecessary. Two, to fulfill Congress's constitutional responsibility, war powers belong with Congress, not alone with the president. Number three, it's unnecessary. Even without this AUMF, the president has authority as commander-in-chief to defend the United States against an attack or to go seek a more specific and relevant AUMF if something should arise. And fourth, it's totally irrelevant at this point. The Saddam Hussein regime was overthrown in 2003 and a formal end to the U.S. mission in Iraq was declared at the end of 2011. So we're talking decades here where it's just unnecessary. And we like to think about I mean, think about how outdated it really is. It's 20 years old. It's older than some of the people who are now serving in the military. Um, So we will be watching and following the NDAA closely because we're hoping to see this uh, Iraq war authorization finally overturned. And the final current event uh, that I'm gonna talk to you about that you might have guessed based on my shirt is um, election day. So by the time you watch this, it is literally be a matter of days until election day. Hopefully, if you vote absentee, you have already done so. Um, But depending on how and where you vote, it um, is not too late to try and make your vote count. So if you vote absentee um, and you have not yet voted, check out vote.org because it's a wonderful resource to see if it's too late for you to request a ballot. Another option is FVAP.org gov. We love them. Uh, federal voting assistance program. So if you're a military spouse who votes away from where you live, that's a great place to start. But it might be too late if you vote absentee. So, but that doesn't mean it's too late to start thinking about the next election, right? So if you can't vote in this year's, start prep planning ahead and prep to vote for next year. Um, if you vote where you live, vote.org is also a great resource to find out where you go to on election day, or if you can early vote and get your vote out of the way, avoid those long lines before actual, the actual election day. And we recommend, highly recommend if you vote in person to search online for your sample ballot and research the candidates and issues at home before you go to the polls. So that way you can take your time, you can really research and you can know who you're and what you're voting for. And then you already have a plan. When you get into the ballot box um, election day, you know what you're doing. You can just make it a much smoother, easier process. Um, And to touch again on absentee voting, we talk about this a lot at Secure Families Initiative because so many military spouses, like myself, do not vote where we live. We move all over the place. You might keep a home of record. You might own a house somewhere. There are a variety of different reasons. But it's important for us as a community that depends on this type of voting to advocate and express to our civilian neighbors how important it is. So as election day approaches and even as it passes and maybe there's some really close races and we're waiting on ballots to arrive from overseas, it's a great opportunity to talk to your neighbors and your friends about why this form of voting is so important, particularly to our community. So it may come under attack, but you and I know that this, for some of us, that's the only way that we can vote back home. If we're living in Japan and you vote in Ohio, your only choice is a ballot, is an absentee ballot by mail. So now that you've done that, Now that you've talked to your friends, now that you are ready to vote this year, text three people and remind them to make a plan to vote. It's really, really important. As military spouses, we don't often have the opportunity to directly impact choices that are made about our lives. This is one way that we can do that. So don't give it up, don't leave it up to other people to decide those things for you. So I hope you found this a little bit informative. Um, Like I said, Secure Families Initiative is a great resource where we vet some of this information for you, we try and break it down so that you don't have to watch news during deployment, so that you don't have to follow the ebbs and flows and ups and downs of every, you know, the daily negotiations, whether it's Iran nuclear deal or the NDAA here at home. So follow us and we will try and keep you informed. And hopefully we will also mobilize you to vote and get involved.
0: Thanks for joining us.